0: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, April 22nd, 2022. Just ahead on our show, a film development conference that is going to take place in Bentonville next weekend. Give you tips on how to make the movie you want to make. That's coming up. But right now, let's find out what's happened this past week with Michael Tilley, who's with Talk Business and Politics. He joins us from Fort Smith. Michael, happy Friday.
1: Well, happy Friday. Those are two words I always like saying.
0: And they often go together. Yes. All right. Let's take a look at some numbers from this past week, including medical marijuana sales in Arkansas. Medical marijuana has been uh, available now for almost two years, almost three years, I think.
1: Right. Almost three years. It began. The
0: first uh, dispensary was licensed in May 2019. Sales have been brisk as more and more people get qualified. Uh, We saw a slight downtick in March. Does that tell us anything?
1: No, I, well, I don't know. That's a good question. The, uh, the one thing that I watch is the active patient cards and that's been hovering around 82,000. I, in May, I think the Arkansas department of health reported, um, just under 82,000 is 81,900 something. Um, now that number changes daily, but that was the day as we reported, uh, same day we reported the recent, uh, medical marijuana sales. But yeah, ba- based on, um, the tax collection, Uh, 2.46 million in March. It was down um, just a little bit from March uh, of last year, but it was up compared to February. Now, overall, since May 2019, uh, or let me back up a little bit. For the first three months of this year, there's been about 66 million sold uh, in medical marijuana. It's about 11,500 pounds. Um, the uh, Natural Relief Dispensary in Sherwood, in Central Arkansas, had the largest, uh, most sales by pound. The Relief Center in Bentonville was second. So that that's not a surprise. Those two markets are kind of leading the way. Um, uh, now that 2.4 million, what I think is interesting, you, know, you mentioned since they first got started almost two years ago, the 2.4 million in tax revenue in March is up 2300 percent since the first month so um, sales have have grew very quick now i think they've kind of leveled off that's expected from some of the reports even anecdotal reports you see that uh, in other states uh, and by the way yesterday new jersey opened up yep. legal sales of cannabis um now Uh, Overall, since May 2019, patients, licensed patients have bought about 84,000, a little over 84,000 pounds of marijuana. Uh, The Arkansas Department of Finance Administration, which um, pushes the numbers out, they expect that sometime later this year the number will hit 100,000 pounds sold. Uh, By my rough calculation, 100,000 pounds is roughly the weight of about 25 of the Cheech and Chong vans <laughs> they used in the movie, uh, the next movie that wants to give anybody some um, perspective on how much that is. Um, and cannabis sales, I think they will continue to grow. At the, there are a couple of um, firms out um, that uh, a couple of consulting firms out that have estimated U.S. sales of marijuana will top 28 billion this year. Um, and that's up to, uh, they're saying that'll be up 20% compared to last year. The st- top states for marijuana sales in order are California, New York, New Jersey, Florida, and Michigan. Not, not a surprise. Some of the most populated, um, states, but, um, yeah, so that look, I'm still of a mind Kyle, if you would have told me five years ago, the state of Arkansas would be managing a system that was about to sell a hundred thousand pounds of pot. I, I would have thought maybe you'd have been in a few of those pounds already.
0: (laughs) Well, um, now we're talking about a state that right now has a budget surplus in the hundreds of millions, but $65 million in three years, you know, that went to the state from from medical marijuana sales, that's not
1: nothing. No, it's not nothing. And one of the things, and maybe um, something we should follow up on soon, is uh, a lot of that money goes to, the uh, University of Arkansas for medical sciences into their cancer trust fund, which helps with cancer research. So, um, I, I, I don't know whose idea it was to set that up, but I think that's a, that's a brilliant idea. All right. Let's talk about
0: setup of pay. This will be the third week in a row. We've mentioned something about uh, teacher pay in Fort
1: Smith. What's the
0: latest? Well, the latest is it
1: doesn't really get much better. This Kyle has kind of been a and well, I kind of have been. It's been a ham-fisted, clumsy approach by the Fort Smith public schools, primarily the administration. If you remember, they just kind of stepped out there made an odd decision to give the superintendent, Dr. Jay Morawski, a pay increase of almost 15% since December 30th, 2020. And during that same time, certified staff pay has averaged uh, only 1.1% higher. So that was a big public relations black eye, as it should have been. So they rolled out this teacher pay. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details because it it has many, but the bottom line is that the proposal would have brought raises that would have ranged from $610 to about $6,300 uh, with the average raise being about $3,200 or a 5.5% increase. Now, the problem with that uh, became quickly evident when a lot of veteran teachers noted that they were getting the short end of the stick big time. For example, one teacher noted in in the, at the Fort Smith school board meeting that starting teachers uh, would get about a 12% pay raise, but those veteran teachers who've been keeping, you know, been there through this pandemic and all of the, of the craziness that that's been, would only receive about a 1.13% raise, and so there was a lot of consternation on social media. There's a lot of kickback at the board meeting, and so the school board, rightfully so, said, "Okay, whoa, um, let's take a look at that." And even another note that I found interesting is that the the policy personnel committee uh, voted uh, 16 on that committee voted for taking this pay raise to the board 13 opposed it. And yet the administration still decided even with that, you know, narrow line and with knowing what the opposition was going to be, still took this proposal to the board. So, um, the school board is pretty clear. They told the administration to go back and do a better job of making it more fair. So that's where we are, Kyle. We'll see if, um, they can come back and, do something that uh, is, as I said earlier, a little less clumsy. This, this is shaping up between Morawski's pay and this trying to get the teacher pay correct. This is shaping up to be a, a case study on how not to handle uh, pay raises among administrators and staff at a large um, taxpayer-funded organization. In
0: a way, we're actually seeing a public entity kind of publicly work through things. Right, the school board saying to the administration, "Come back with a better plan." I mean, in one way, I guess you could say this is kind of designed how it's supposed to work.
1: Ye- yes, except probably for the well superintendent. Yeah, that, that just kind of came out of the blue. I mean, yeah, it'd have been nice to um, have a little bit more perspective on why that was necessary. Because yeah. I, <laughs> I've, I've had it explained to me why his pay raise was needed, and um, uh, I've, again, I'm just an old country boy from. Johnson County, Arkansas, but I'm not seeing it.
0: Well, speaking of Johnson County, Arkansas, isn't Leslie (laughs) Ann Tell from Johnson County?
1: Yes, she is um, from Lamar High School, from my uh, alma mater of a thousand years ago. Um, But Leslie, now, um, just this is kind of point of a personal privilege here. Um, You know, me being from Lamar, there are a lot of folks from Lamar that that, um, are happy when I keep that to myself. Um, but you know, so the city has a lot to make up for and she's done it. Leslie, of course, I knew it was Leslie Smith, but she's a, um, nutrition dietetics instructor at uh, Conway high school. Um, but she is the, was named the 2022 Arkansas farm bureau ag in classroom, outstanding teacher. So just a shout out to her, a lot of her, Relatives are in uh, your listening area, Kyle. So it's always nice when a, when a Lamar kid uh, does well.
0: And I would argue that you're a Lamar Johnson or, or a Lamar kid that's done well.
1: Well, like I said, some people from back home would probably argue with you on that one, but, but I, I'll take that as a compliment. Well, we'll let our listeners decide every day
0: when they go to TalkBusiness.net <laughs> and find out more about all of what we talk about and so much more. Michael Tilley, thank you so much.
1: Hey, you're welcome,
0: sir. Arkansas Advocates for
2: Children and Families celebrates the 21st annual Soup Sunday, April 24th, 4 to 630 at the Rogers Convention Center. This family-friendly fundraiser includes soups and breads, desserts, live music, and auction items. 927-9800 or aradvocates.org for tickets. Support for KUAF comes from the Walmart Museum. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 8 and noon to 6 on Sunday on the Square in Bentonville. Walmartmuseum.com for more information.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. Monday is the last day to register to vote before the primaries in May. We want to make sure you have all the information you need to be an informed voter. In conjunction with our latest KUAF podcast, Natural Election, we've built a site that gives you direct access to the voter registration form, allows you to find out where you can vote in your county, and even how to volunteer as a poll worker. From Benton County to Logan County and everywhere in between, we've got you covered. Just head over to KUAF.com slash vote for those details. That's KUAF.com slash vote. Work continues to expand the art and business of film in Arkansas. Later this month, April 29th and 30th, the Arkansas Film Society will host a film development conference. You may have the script, cast, and equipment, but do you have the legal and pre-production knowledge to avoid common filmmaking pitfalls? Creators, including Arkansas native and filmmaker Jeff Nichols, will share tips for making, and examples of, successful independent film Nichols' work by the way includes mud with matthew mcconaughey and loving inspired by the true story of mildred and richard loving who successfully challenged laws against interracial marriage we recently reached Catherine tucker a co-founder of the arkansas cinema society and a film producer to ask about the conference including sessions about pre-production
3: the way i was trained um as an assistant director uh is that pre-production is actually the key to the movie being made efficiently on budget and well. And so any, in my view, producing a film, most of the work is done in pre-production and then production. You're just putting out fires. Essentially. If you've done your job well, you're not putting out very many fires because you've planned everything so well. So I always, whenever I'm producing a film, front load the pre-production. And a lot of times, I think movies make the mistake of doing very short pre-productions. And then they get into shooting when every second costs, you know, $500. And they haven't planned it out. And that's when days run long. And that's when the actors don't know their lines because they didn't have any rehearsal days or they're not giving the performance they wanted. So you have to do 30 takes because there wasn't any rehearsal time allocated in the budget. So I always front load. So usually on a low budget, a lot of times you'll have like a week of pre-production, but I always say like, get all the keys in like for four weeks of pre-production. And then you don't go over budget. Everything's planned out. Everybody has time to get ready. Um, It's very common sense, but it's one of those things that's taken for granted. And so Jeff Nichols and I have always talked about doing a conference like this. Um, We've been talking about it for years. And I think now that COVID is quote over, um, everyone's forgotten about it and that we lost two years of programming essentially, but we've had this idea for a couple of years to do a a conference like this um, with his producer, Sarah Green. Who is an infamous um, independent film producer. So I think she'll probably say the same thing about pre-production, but there's a lot of secrets that you can that we can give out that will help um, I create a toolkit for filmmakers that haven't gone through it before to just help avoid some of the pitfalls of production by having a, a very thorough pre-production
0: one of the films that's going to be shown as part of this conference is jockey. Is, is that an example? Will, will that be an example of how a low budget uh, film can be made and what, how to do it correctly?
3: Yes. So um, this is, uh, those filmmakers are friends of Jeff Nichols and he had a really um, interesting lunch with them. And, subsequently invited them to this conference because they basically created a new, very smart model for how to finance your film. And I haven't had the conversation with them yet, so I can't wait to attend the conference (laughs) to hear what that model is. Um, But Jeff has obviously been making independent films for a long time as well. And so he he was super impressed with their financial structure. And um, I can't wait to hear about it. So, yeah, that's that's, you know, the reason we in, included the film. And also it's an amazing film and they're great filmmakers, but um, they're willing to share share that uh, model, which I'm very excited about.
0: Entertainment law, demystifying entertainment law is another of the of the sessions.
3: Yes. So we're bringing in a native Arkansan, Matt Rogers from Brooklyn to do um he lives in Brooklyn, uh, but he's from Hot Springs, Arkansas, and his dad still lives there. And so he's on the board of the Hot Springs Documentary Film Festival, and has since gotten reconnected with all of the filmmakers in Arkansas, which I think is tremendous. Because when I was making, producing some of my first films a decade ago, we just literally ha- were lost with the entertainment law. It's and because it's so you can't afford it. Um, there's to to get an entertainment attorney in Los Angeles to participate in your film i mean it's would be your the f- entire film's budget so i think what matt is going to talk about is some of the again the pitfalls just in it specifically around entertainment law and some of the guidelines that you should follow in pre-production which is so critical because if you get into production and have something go wrong with a contract on your first day of filming it it can really um detour the film and so and derail the film actually so just how to protect yourself um some of the key ingredients that you need as an independent filmmaker um and matt's always so generous with his with giving out his information his knowledge and experience and information so i'm very much looking forward to that as well could
0: that incorporate i mean copyright royalties location everything
3: because yeah and then there's you know there's all these insurance um all these insurance packages you know you have to get insurance to cover your equipment but then you also have to get something called errors and emissions called E&O insurance and that's supposed to cover any time you accidentally show a coke sign or you know and and so it's it's a there's a lot to think about um and then also you know photo release contracts um it's it's a lot, and there's a lot of paperwork involved in in filmmaking. It's, it's an incredible art, but it's also a thriving business, and so there's a lot of um, things you need to know going into it. I can see to protect where, yourself.
0: I can see where someone has this great screenplay idea and their passion, and then they run into some of these things, and it can just be heartbreaking the 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 red tape or the or the you know the sort of contract contractual issues that could, that could be in the way.
3: Well, and if there's any sort of red flag in terms of a contract, it can ruin your chances for distribution because nobody wants to touch it. And so they don't want to pick up something that's then going to be, have some lawsuit attached to it. So when you're, when you're looking most independent filmmakers don't have distribution for their film yet. So everything has to be super tight, super clean um, to be able to get an, uh, a distributor even interested in in distributing your film.
0: Catherine Tucker is a co-founder of the Arkansas Cinema Society. The organization's film development conference is Friday and Saturday, April 29th and 30th at Thaden School in Bentonville. Cost for the conference is $100 for a full weekend pass, $75 for the Saturday sessions. Scholarships are available. You can find details and a full schedule at ArkansasCinemaSociety.org. The
2: Momentary presents a summer lineup of live music by nationally acclaimed artists, including Old Crow Medicine Show, Run the Jewels, Big Boy, and Lyle Lovett, with more acts to be announced. Get tickets and learn more at themomentary.org. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, Northwest Arkansas retirement community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Amenities and living options from apartments to village homes, Plus, on-site fitness facilities are available. org for information.
0: The Veterans Health Care System of the Ozarks in Fayetteville is hosting a series of free outdoor noontime music and whole health events every Wednesday in May in recognition of Mental Health Month. Allison Wright, VA Recovery Coordinator, invites all veterans, caregivers, and VA staff to attend.
4: Every Wednesday from noon to about 1, one thirty on the main lawn, at the campus here in Fayetteville. We are gonna have soldiers songs and voices will be there every week to play music. And we are hoping to set up some food trucks. Um, Snack Lab has agreed to set up a table for three of the Wednesdays. And then we're gonna have a VHSO dietitian with nutrition and food services is gonna set up a table with samples and healthy recipes. And our suicide prevention staff's gonna have a table We're going to have some education on Annie. It's an app that helps veterans stay focused on self-care and some apps for better sleep, anger management, mindfulness. We're going to have a whole health table and we're going to have one of our peer support specialists um, named Jamie. He's going to have information about golden age games, which is a sports and recreational competitive event for veterans 55 years and older. And, Uh, On the 4th, we're also going to have yoga and a move group. Both of those are going to be veteran-led.
0: On May 11th, veterans and staff can take a contemplative stroll through a labyrinth with a guided meditation led by VA physician Dr. Richard Kyle. On the 18th, a VA 2K annual walk scheduled to start at 1130. And on May 25th, veteran-led Tai Chi and a garden tour led by two master gardeners. And then on Monday, May 30th, a Memorial Day Red Poppy Remembrance scheduled on the VA grounds.
4: So we're really looking forward to having a variety of of uh, experiential activities that staff and veterans can come and engage in to show that mental health is more than just, just therapy. It's taking a break and um, socializing, eating lunch, listening to music, just uh, grounding kind of meditative um, practices that helps recenter and Um, is invigorating for everybody.
0: The local band Soldiers Songs and Voices, scheduled to perform at all Wednesday noon hours in May, is a group of veteran musicians dedicated to cultivating the well-being of returning veterans through song. For details, search Veterans Healthcare System of the Ozarks on Facebook.
5: In the background is pianist Mark Copeland. And I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Mark Copeland as well as John Coltrane, Poncho Sanchez, Charlie Hayden, Bruce Barth, and much more. Tune in to Shades of Jazz this Friday and Saturday right here on KUAF 91.3 FM listener-supported National Public Radio.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to find out what we can do this weekend. Our guide once again, Becca Martin Brown, features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. She's joining us from Bella Vista. How are you doing, Becca?
6: There is something terrifying about thinking of me guiding anyone anywhere. <laughs> well not sure that not sure about that. People tell me that, that there's this little concert going on in Fayetteville this weekend
0: uh garth brooks at the football stadium yeah Yeah.
6: that guy that they're expecting eighty thousand people in town for
0: yeah and if you live around there check out the maps for how the traffic's going to be working saturday because it's (laughs) it's going to be like a football game
6: i've gotten spoiled i haven't lived right off campus for a long time now we figure kyle and i just spoke before we came on the air that if you're going to garth brooks you know it
0: yeah, that, I don't so, think there's any impulse left. I think all the tickets are gone, so.
6: How about some of the other things you can do? The Fayetteville Film Festival, partnering with the Walton Art Center, has a showing of films by Arkansas filmmakers at 7 o'clock tonight in Star Theater at the Walton Art Center. We've got two kids' plays. The Young Actors Guild in Fort Smith is doing puffs or seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic. That's at 7 o'clock today and 2 and 7 tomorrow. That
0: sounds like it might be Harry Potter-inspired.
6: One thinks it might. Okay. And there seems to be a cat involved. That's at the King Opera House in Van Buren, which is totally worth the $10 tickets to see the King Opera House. And then the Community School of the Arts is doing Charlotte's Web, at 7 today and 2 and 7 tomorrow at St. Boniface Academy Auditorium in Fort Smith. And then Arts One Presents, in its very first show, is doing Romeo and Juliet at 7 today and tomorrow and 2 on Sunday at the likewise co-working space in Fayetteville. Yeah. It is sold out.
0: I have seen some uh, publicity shots of that, and it looks like they're using the space in every way imaginable.
6: Well, you can check with them at artsonepresents.org, see if they've got a wait list or anything going. And then Saturday, oh, Saturday. Saturday, starting at 9 a.m., if you're in the north end of our listening area, they're having a spring bazaar at Reardon Hall in Bella Vista. 75 local artisans are selling handcrafted items like bags and jewelry and stained glass and paintings and specialty soaps and needlework and wood carvings and all that stuff I love. And Nine help. to two admission is free. There you go. If you're in Fayetteville, the Catty Wampus Spring Bazaar with over a 100 Fayetteville artists is from 10 to 4 Saturday in the dining hall at Mount Sequoia Center. There are a couple of Discover the Grounds events Saturday at Crystal Bridges, one at 1030 on lichens and a gallery talk at one o'clock on native plants. The momentary is having a food pop-up. I wish I hadn't printed anything about this because I'd have run over there. <laughs> it's Turkey and the Wolf from New Orleans. Oh, wow. Wow. From the Irish Channel neighborhood. Yeah. And they are serving in the RBS Bank Courtyard on Saturday from 11 o'clock till they're sold out or 11.05, whichever comes <laughs> first.
0: <laughs> uh, get there early.
6: And there is a book signing at the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville on Saturday with Felicia Ruiz, who is author of the best-selling book, Earth Medicines.
0: Yes, talked to her yesterday on the show, and she's fantastic.
6: And then on Sunday, it's Earth Day from 1 to 5 at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks in Fayetteville. There's a new program at 2 o'clock at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum called Landmark Lessons. I love this. They're going to feature various paintings by John Bell, Jr. You know, the the museum became the keeper of all of John Bell's art. Right. With discussions about the history depicted in the art. So this is the Marshall series, and they're going to have folks who are versed in the time of the Marshalls and the Hanging Judge and all of that in Fort Smith. Talk about what you see in those paintings. And then there's an opera in the Ozarks Alumni Concert at 2.30 at First United Methodist Church in Eureka Springs. And that ought to, if your heart's broken over Garth Brooks, hopefully some of this will help.
0: I'm sure it will. Becca Martin-Brown features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Banks, the
2: singer and songwriter, spent a lot of time keeping a journal as a teenager. And found a keyboard in a closet.
3: Once, I remember I put this one stream of consciousness, a few sentences,
4: I put it to like three notes. It just felt so good.
2: She talks about her start music and her new album, Serpentina. That plus the latest news from Ukraine and elsewhere,
0: Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on KUAF. You can also listen by using the free KUAF app or by asking your smart speaker to... Please play KUAF. Cody Nielsen has been on Ozarks at Large a number of times in the past. As part of Farmer in the Markets, he performed on our first ever Ozarks at Large Christmas special. And he's been on our program to talk about his previous solo releases as part of the project Moonsong. A new Moonsong album is forthcoming and will be released to the world next week with a concert in Fayetteville. Earlier this week, Cody came to the Furman Garner Performance Studio to talk about the new album. And in a few minutes, he'll perform a sample of the album on the Mary Baker Rumsey Steinway piano. First, though, he tells Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis about how he settled on the album's name, Eternum. I wanted, I actually spent
7: probably longer than I should have trying to come up with a name because uh, it's a, I kind of wanted to capture the sort of like dark, almost like medieval sort of feel of the record. And so the first first thing I was kind of leaning towards was getting something Latin because Latin is you know kind of has all those kind of classifications to it and so Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time just like typing in English words into like a Latin translator finally landed on eternum as a really cool uh Really cool looking name and it's got the like A E combo letter, whatever you'd call that. Mm. And so that's pretty cool. That's 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 pretty metal,
8: right? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that it's kind of got a medieval sound, because I kind of picked up on that. It like kind of has a little, a little bit of a doomy feel, but also mm-hmm. you get some chants in there and like monks in the background. Uh-huh. How uh-huh, did you sure. how did you come up with that kind of soundscape?
7: That's a great question. My biggest approach to the record was that I Up to this point, for those who haven't heard Moonsong, we're kind of more of like a psychedelic... I hesitate to say rock, but it's pretty rocky, shoegazy, uh, shoegazy like math tastic, fun time with a lot of key changes, time signature changes. It's always different all the time. Yeah. And so I really wanted to do something that was a complete 180 on that. And I can't think of a better 180 to new time signature and key signature every 30 seconds than playing the same note for 30 minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, that, that was kind of my main approach. Approach. And then I've always been a huge fan of doom metal and drone metal are, are two of my favorite classifications of metal. And outside of some more kind of for fun projects, I've never really had the chance to fully and officially delve into the metal realm. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd give it a try.
8: Now, this album, it's one roughly half hour long track. Was that a particular challenge to produce? It was.
7: It, it, it was very interesting. Especially with the technology that I use to produce. I mean, I don't have the greatest or quickest laptop in the world, so... I didn't even want to attempt to lay down a 33-minute track on one project window. So I kind of had to break it up into little pieces and then put it together later. And it worked out better than I thought it would, honestly.
8: Within Moonsong, you work with quite a varied cast of local musicians Mm -hmm. and presumably the same on this record as well.
7: Yeah, and so with the other Moonsong records... It's just me doing all of the instrumentation, all of the production, artwork, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And this is actually the first Moonsong release where I have actually collaborated with people on the record. So what you're hearing on this album is me, of course, but also full bands, including some of the live Moonsong members that have been playing with me for a very long time. So it, it feels really good to actually get them on something as opposed to just playing live. Right. So
8: was that a different kind of experience actually working with people on a release rather than just like solo producing the whole thing? It was. I mean, if I'm being
7: honest, it it took a lot off my back. It was a little bit easier as opposed to me having to do all the tracks (laughs) myself. It it was nice to actually be able to sit down with the group and just like we'd been playing the song already live for, you know, a couple months at that point, at least. So we kind of knew what we were doing. It made for a smoother process for sure. It was a little less pressure, which was really nice.
8: Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, I mean, Moonsong, it's kind of a little bit of an ever-changing thing. I mean, you're playing different music all the time, different styles. Is it a challenge to you to kind of be that stylistic chameleon or is that just kind of how things have shaken out? It's honestly
7: one of my favorite things about the project is having the ability to be the sole decider on what happens next. Music is my passion, and like I probably listen to more music than I actually even play music. I'm just Mm -hmm. constantly trying to discover cool new music, so – I, I really love having the ability to discover a cool sound that I've never really listened to before and be like, what if I tried something like that? And not have to uh, go in and talk with the bandmates and be like, I just discovered Can. Have you guys heard this band? Do you like it? <laughs> no, this band sounds sloppy. Like, you know, whatever. I decide that I like Can and I want to do Can. You know? <laughs>
8: Look out for New Moon Song.
7: <laughs> no, I'm not going to do Can. Everyone does Can. Everybody but you get Can. the point.
8: Yeah, 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 yeah. The piece you're playing here today is different from the album because you have a Steinway here. You've used a lot more mm-hmm. electrical instruments on the actual record. Mm-hmm. How were how you able to distill it down into just a sample we'll hear here today? That's a good question.
7: I knew I was going to hit you guys up about talking and, and coming into the studio and playing. So I've spent a few weeks just thinking about like how the heck – Do I do that? So just like you mentioned, I mean, the record is a full-on rock performance in terms of I've got two guitars, bass drums. One of the main features of the record is also cello. We have Jacob Arnold playing cello, and he, he kills it. But I just thought it was a cool, like in terms of this record being a 180 to the Moonsong sound in general, I thought it'd be cool to do a 180 on the 180, which I guess <laughs> is a 360, but it, that doesn't really necessarily apply. Getting it like minimal and bare bones and really emphasizing the drone and ambient portions of it as opposed to the doomy metal aspects of it. And you know, you can't come in and perform a 33-minute track <laughs> live on Ozarks at Large, so I wanted to <laughs> kind of make a smaller cut of
8: that. Right, right. Well, so. it's much appreciated. It makes my <laughs> life a lot easier in editing. I, th- I thought it would. I thought it would. But. So you have a release show scheduled for this record. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about it.
7: Yep. So uh, the release show it's going to happen April 30th It's at Smoke and Barrel. And I will say it's it's great to see that Smoke and Barrel has been consistently doing live music again. It's been... Mm-hmm. Years. And interestingly enough, the last show we played pre-pandemic, like right before all that stuff went down, was at Smoke and Barrel with another band that's on this lineup with us, uh, The Salesman. So it's really cool to also do the release show and have our return to Smoke and Barrel be us finally releasing this track that we played the last time we were there. So Nice full circle cool. moment, I would imagine. Indeed. Exactly.
8: So once this is out, where can people find it? Everywhere.
7: I'll put it out on you know Spotify, YouTube... Is there an iTunes anymore? Uh, Apple Apple Music. Music. Yeah, it'll be there. (laughs) Bandcamp. Bandcamp, for sure, for sure. We're going to be doing a limited run of tapes as well, which is something Mm -hmm. that I've never experimented with before. But um, we're working with a cool label out of Italy, actually, called Taxi Driver Records Hmm. um, that kind of specifically specializes in drone metal fairs. So... I hit them up. I thought we were a perfect fit, and they seem to agree. So they're doing a little limited run of cassettes for us, and that will oh, nice. be really cool.
8: So. Nice.
0: That was Cody Nielsen performing a selection from the new Moonsong album, Eternum. He played it on the Mary Baker-Rumsey Steinway piano inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio. And he talked about the new album with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. Moonsong will release Eternum with a concert next Saturday, April 30th. It's a show taking place at Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. You can find out more at Moonsong's Facebook page.
4: I'm Joy McGowan.
6: I'm Denisha Simpson. And And we we are are resilient resilient black black women then all that tension that I might have been feeling, just you sitting here and listening to me and responding, I might, my body will start to just feel less heavy, less anxious and just feel better. On the next episode of Resilient Black Women, Joy and Denisha explore grief, how it affects the body, how it particularly affects African Americans and communities of color, and what you can do when you're feeling overwhelmed by it. That's on the next episode of Resilient Black Women. Available at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. It is time to talk movies. To help us do that, Courtney Lanning is with me via Zoom. Welcome back, Courtney. Kyle, thanks for having me. We are going to talk about an animated movie called The Bad Guys, which uh, is getting some pretty positive reviews.
5: Yes, uh, I think last I checked, it had something like a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes or thereabouts, um, and it it deserves it. This is a, a great offering from DreamWorks, the same people that brought us Shrek and The Prince of Egypt and How to Train Your Dragon. This involves
0: animals and animals who are trying to pull off a heist.
5: Yeah, it's it's sort of like a crossover between Ocean's Eleven and the Blues Brothers. Okay, uh, it's a it's essentially a heist movie aimed at a younger audience that's not quite ready for George Clooney and Brad Pitt robbing Vegas casinos yet. Does it follow
0: some of those live-action heist movies, though? Do they go through the planning, and do they have a,
5: a group that one is the expert in this and one is the expert in that? They do. So your basic thieves group here is made up of a bunch of anthropomorphic animals, and this is a world where walking and talking animals live in and deal right next to humans without any real issues, apparently. (laughs) Uh, And your, your thieves crew is made up of uh, a wolf, uh, a snake, a tarantula, a shark, and a piranha. And they're together. They're the bad guys. And they pull off all these heists. And and of course, they got the plans and they got the layouts and the guard shift is here. And we got to get this key card and you're in charge of hacking this. And so it's, It is absolutely prepping people to go watch Oceans 11, 12, and 13 afterward when they're a little older. Uh, How's the animation? You know, Kyle, this art is stylized and gorgeous. Uh, It looks like a motion graphic novel where action is literally popping off the page. Um, And it makes sense because this is based off of a graphic novel series by the same name by an Australian author whose name escapes me at this moment. Um, But the movie is full of these thick black lines and long extended shadows and, and a color palette that is probably best described by my artist wife as vibrant, smeared with grunge. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, it, it's it's easily a contender for Best Animated Fears to the Oscars before they bypass it entirely and rubber stamp whatever Disney and Pixar put out this year. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh so these animals that are part of the heist group—the the tarantula, the piranha, the shark, the snake—these are the traditional animals that we're scared of.
5: Do they have hearts of gold? Do we, or is that giving too much away? Yeah, that's sort of the basic premise of the movie. Is you know they do heist after heist, and eventually they get arrested. Mm. Um, and and to sort of get out of the rat, the arrest, the the wolf who's the leader kind of challenges the governor to. Give them a second chance, because they've never had a chance to be anything but the bad guys. So they agree to go through a reconditioning program. And and if they become good after this program, then they will get a full pardon. So that's kind of their thing, is they're gonna try to con it and we're gonna pretend to be good until we get this pardon, but maybe they're a little good in them after all. And it's 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 a good, funny and stylish, wild and adorable movie.
0: Excellent. I'm hoping that this is something like the Flintstones, you know, the Flintstones, every um, uh, machine or something was somehow seen through a prehistoric lens. Do we see that here, like everything is through a talking animal lens, this world that allows animals and people to walk together?
5: You know, sort of. Um, You know, the movie, obviously, that this is going to get compared a lot to is Disney's Zootopia, which Mm -hmm. is another movie about anthropomorphic animals living in a big city. Um, and, you know, I'd say the the one downfall this movie has is a little bit of world building. You know, this is a world where, like we've talked about, anthropomorphic animals and humans live together in society. And I, I wanted just a little bit more world building like Disney with Zootopia, where they really painted the picture of what it's like to live in this city. You know, the bad guys seems to take place in sort of a, a bland version of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just a very small complaint in an otherwise amazing film. but. You know, if if there is a weakness, it's it's definitely the world building.
0: All right. Uh, people are going back to the movies. We've got a couple that are hitting theaters this week um, that are interesting.
5: Yeah. So this is a fantastic week for cinema because not only do you have the bad guys, which I recommend everybody watch, but you also have a new Nicolas Cage movie coming out. Wait for me. I, I'm going to get there. I know it's Nicolas Cage, but he's he's been on a real hot streak lately. He's got a new moving out called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where he plays himself being best friends with a character played by Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian.
0: And you know my Uh, fascination with Nicolas Cage. I can't wait to see this.
5: Yes. This looks fantastic. Um, And the early reviews I'll say it's it's really, really great. So that's great. Um, And then you've got The Northman, which is this Viking revenge story from Robert Eggers that I feel like everybody has been waiting for, for the last few months. And out of everything that hasn't been delayed, this is, you know, one of the few movies that is moving forward with it's, they said it's going to come out at a time it's coming. And now, now it's here.
0: And it has this amazing cast that includes Nicole Kidman and Willem Dafoe. But I'm most excited because speaking of being fascinated, it's got Bjork.
5: Yes. Bjork will be playing in it as well. And honestly, the the whole movie looks like a a giant epic and i I can't wait for it
0: those are both in theaters
5: bad guys only in theaters right yes all in theaters what are we going to talk about next week next week i'll be reviewing a new rom-com for you coming to hulu it's called crush
0: now we've been on a roll you've had like four or five movies you've really liked in a row what do we think crush will do
5: honestly toss up i don't know um I haven't seen a lot of advertising for it. It seems like a a smaller movie, um, but I guess we'll see. All right. Full review
0: of The Bad Guys in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you so
5: much. Thanks for having me, Kyle.
2: Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Greenacre Easy Living, a small assisted living located in Rogers and serving the elderly of Arkansas under the same ownership since 1992. 631-1552 or
0: GreenacreEasyLiving.com for more information. Tomorrow, the Momentary will open the exhibit Let Earth Breathe, a solo show of painting and sculpture by Esteban Cabaza de Baca. Yesterday, we talked with him by Zoom when he was at his apartment in Queens and asked about the layers physically and metaphorically in his work depicting and honoring landscapes of the American West.
8: I was taught the academic way of observational painting that, you know, it comes from Impressionism from Europe. And I still really love that style of painting. But I think you can't stop there with what those conversations start to bring up where, you know, the revolution, the industrial revolution came about and created impressionism through the harnessing of cobalts and cadmiums put under extreme heat and to create those like pigments that could be taken outdoors. So where did those materials come from? What colonized peoples were subjugated to extracting those materials throughout the global South. And I think what I want to do with the work is to direct us back towards thinking about the earth. Like how can we think differently about the history of the land?
0: Our conversation next week on Ozarks, opening of the exhibition tomorrow at the Momentary in Bentonville. This is KUAF 91.3. Fayetteville. Timothy Dennis produced today's show. Contributors included Timothy, Michael Tilly, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Jacqueline Froelich provided information regarding the VA's programming in May. I'll be back Sunday morning with Weekend Ozarks at Large at 9, Monday at noon and 7 with a new daily edition of our show. Be well, be safe, and have a wonderful weekend.